welcome to Brands Made Meaningful, conversations with the team at Susner about how purposeful branding inspires unity, identity, and powerful change for growth-minded organizations. Hey, Derek. Season two, you just said before we went online, you just said, we'll do that. We'll, we'll do that thing in season two. Like, yeah. let's get through season one. First. No, you can tell there's a wave, a season two wave coming. I think there's a lot of great ideas for what we could talk about and how we could talk. And we'll just save all those good ideas for the next round of podcasts. Cue them up. I don't know what season two even means because it's not like it's a, we're going to do a couple and stop doing it for a while and then start up again but branding seasons are uh have yet to be defined that's fair so what are we talking about today club brands um branding a club branding an organization that has membership and when you say membership what do you mean i don't mean for today's conversation certainly in another conversation but today i'm not we're not talking about what what we think of as transactional based memberships like loyalty programs or like your Costco membership or your Sam's club membership or my dollar shave club membership, things that essentially save you money, product oriented, save you time, but they're very product oriented. We're talking about experiential memberships and and they could be service oriented, right? Product Mm -hmm. or service, but um, experiential meaning, we talk about golf clubs, like private golf clubs is a good one to talk about. Gyms, um, athletic areas. Even professional associations or professional types of groups that you might join that you get a certain types of benefits from or exclusivity or access for being a part of. So why are we talking about clubs then? What brought this conversation on? It, what brought it on is we're currently working with a uh, private golf club and we're just getting going on a rebrand for them so this is super top of mind for us and and what's top of mind is as we you know we're, we're now laying out our process and looking at the process that we follow and determining what the differences and nuances are and need to be to make sure that a a club brand is developed correctly and meaningfully which is different from so Tucker, we we deal with a variety of types of brands. Let's just go through them super high level so people have an understanding of what we're talking about. There's so many brands. But at a high level. Yeah, so if we're talking like a B2C consumer brand. Business to consumer. Companies that have products and services that are primarily marketed to people to buy them. Mm -hmm. Consumers, customers, products in stores, products online. We consider those mostly transactional. Yep. I mean, ideally they're not. I think the end goal of a brand is to make something not transactional at all, but they're more transactional based as in you might have a lifetime value, but that lifetime value of a customer is not repeated every month forever. It could be. Right. Um, I think that this is where it gets really sloppy with the defining of different things because so many different business models kind of cross the line either way. We're going to talk about the traditional ways of that. So, if we go B2B, that's more of a relationship-oriented. Business to business. Yep, set of deliverables over extended periods of time normally or um, 
project-based things. I mean, we're a B2B company, right. so we focus on experiences, but mainly it's the deliverables that we give our clients we over serve, a period of time. We serve other businesses and, and organizations rather than selling a product to the end customer or consumer. Yeah. Um, and I, I think those are like the high level ones. There's also, we also talk about internal brands, yeah, team member brands or human resource brands. Yep. It's the episode before this actually is all about human resource, uh, team member brands, how Employer do we brands. internal brands? How do we inspire people in our organization with those are not far off of what this is. I think it's interesting. The nuances aren't much different to saying your team members, the people who work for you, your staff, your employees, your leadership, really the way that we're branding towards them isn't that much different than how we're going to try to brand towards the members of a club. And the bigger differences is like, well, what are they getting out of it? Um, an employer versus a, a member of a club is they're getting different things out of it, but the approach is very similar. And the questions we ask are very similar too. One of the things that I think differentiates a member brand versus even B2B or B2C is it's experiential. What do you get? Yeah. What does the audience who is a member, who's probably paid for that membership, which I guess in some respects does make it transactional, whether you need to be invited into that membership or not, there's a financial transaction. Well, for sure. But what is it that that audience wants? And I think that's part of the process that we go through, which we go through with every type of organization that we either brand or rebrand is figuring out who their customer is or audience and what are the most important things that that audience wants from you, from your organization, and in this case, from their membership? When we talk about club organizations or club brands, I like to say that they're involved in the ultimate long-term relationship. They're focused on serving a tribe. Not only does that tribe need to affiliate with them, but they are all in. And that's another level of what is the story you're telling what are the benefits that you're giving them outside of just those transactional benefits? And how are we communicating that over time? And I think that a lot of clubs struggle with this future facing. How do we, how do we grow? How do we appeal to the next generation while not destroying our relationship with the old generation? And I think that they're trying to solve that with the types of services they're offering, which is an absolute ideal step. But I think a lot of them are missing out on the brand aspect where your brand isn't appealing to the next generation. And if you do it wrong, that brand can totally destroy your reputation with the old generation. In a previous conversation that we recorded, we talked about story, brand story. And one of the ways that we define a brand story is uncovering the business that you're really in and that what that business that you're really in is what people want with respect to what it is that you do. But in defining the story, we also say that your story is not your history. Yeah. And that's a big difference, right? I think a lot of people, we don't have to get into it really in depth, but I think a lot of organizations, especially in the club level, love to to tout their history and how long they've been around and what they're and what what they came from, and 
I think that's great to respect it and to mention it and to say, well, this is kind of our expertise. We've been around for this long and this is why we do it. Um, but it's a dangerous game to only be talking about that. We talk about in defining story, we say that the most successful stories aren't, aren't about how you got here, but it's about where you're going. And it's an invitation for somebody to join you in that journey because they can see where it is you're going and they can see themselves as part of that journey. And they look forward to this future state today and where it's going. Yeah. And that's, if you're a club that we spoke to recently, they have a waiting list. So yeah. financially they're, they're in really good shape. They're not in some sort of membership drive where they're, where they're having to recruit people or attract people. They're in a very financially healthy place. But what continues to motivate them to nurture their brand is to continue to foster that future place and that future state of where they're, they're always thinking about where they're going. The best brands that are in the club space are always working on, on themselves, even if they're busy. Even if they're full, they're, we're always going to work on our perception. We're always going to work on our experience because we always want to be full. And I think a big part of success is about understanding that these generations aren't just like right now. And then there's not a new generation in 30 years. It's that's a continuous rolling movement where those experiences, those expectations are constantly changing. They're not just changing every 30 years. You're in the memory making business in some respects. Some are. Yeah, absolutely. And, and some of these memberships are generational. Um, depending the age of the club and how the history of how far this goes back, it's not unusual at all for there to be three, four or more generations of people, but you can't build your organization on the generational story after story, because what the next generation wants and would, and is going to be willing to be part of and maintain this membership because they, what they want in that um, community and in that experience and in that environment isn't necessarily what their grandparents exactly want or their parents want for sure um, or even some of their peers want so it's to really figure out how that translates moving forward so let's get into the weeds a little bit um, we don't talk a lot about process because I think a lot of our our listener our singular listener yeah. um, probably find it boring but we have in general a five-step process we have a discovery phase a strategy phase an alignment phase, a creative phase, and then a, an amplification or an activation phase. Yeah. So does our process, do those overarching five steps change if we're branding a club or a consumer product or a business-to-business -business brand? No. That's what makes it a process. If it's a strong process, then we're never going to change the process the way that we go about certain things, the nuances of we're always going to have interviews, but what gets asked in those interviews in the discovery phase is very different. So when it comes to what's the deliverable that we give on the phases, it's not much different than the other deliverables, but it's the it's the story and the, how we approach this and, and the way that we're doing it is different within that same structure. Some businesses are created because the, the business owner has a skill. Like I'm thinking of, uh, we'll add this to our book club list, but the E-Myth Revisited was a game changer for me. And it talks about the myth that entrepreneurs are actually really smart and business 
minded when they start businesses. Most yeah. of them are practitioners. They were really good at doing something, working yeah. for somebody else and said, oh, I can do that. Instead of looking at the market or your audience and saying, what is it that this group of people is looking for that isn't currently being served? And can I give that to them? Yeah. They hang out a shingle and say, here we are. This is who we are. Come to us. Yeah. And so it's an interesting nuance in how we look at the, the audience and, and in studying the audience is one of the, this sounds really common sense, but from B2C, B2B, member, internal, understanding the audience, the, the profiles, the personas of these human beings makes all the difference in the world in what comes later in language and visuals and how that's communicated. Yeah, I some really smart person once said, a brand is a brand. Whether it's B2B, B2C, what we're really trying to do is promote the value of this company or this organization. And we're trying to uh, increase the understanding of perce perception. Really, it's like, it's for me, it's I want you to seem a higher perception than you are today. Uh, and so with branding, it's really the same process, like you're saying, same process no matter what the brand is. The nuances come in with, okay, who are the customers that we're talking to? Or who are the members that we're looking at? And what do they really want from us? And that's not going to really change within our process, but that's definitely going to change what the end, the end state looks like. Like one of our favorite questions to ask our clients is, what does success look like to you? And I think one of the most important questions that our clients can ask their audience, and I'm saying audience, because this could be your internal team, your buyer, your, but in this case, member, either prospective or current member, is to say, what do you, what do you value most about being part of this organization? Mm -hmm. And I think we get beyond in that Q&A and discovery process when we identify those profiles of those people we're getting beyond features and benefits and amenities. I think there's a certain, if you're a, a member organization, there are certain things that you probably need to provide to compete with whoever else might be vying for that person's attention. If you're a golf club, maybe you have a gym or a pool or a tennis court. Um, I don't know, maybe not, maybe a restaurant. So there are some features and benefits, but how do we, What what's the real decision-making factor in me joining this club versus this club. If there's, we're getting to this an emotional place that we don't often get to when it comes to consumer goods. Well, and how do you increase the value of your club? Is it the only way to do it is with features and benefits or is it the perceived value? A lot of clubs rely on status. Um, if we can increase the perceived status that you'll get from joining this club, then that will go a long way to increasing our value and maybe even the upfront cost or the monthly cost because the status is worth it. It's interesting to talk about clubs and I think the biggest challenge that we have with communicating the difference is that the difference is what you guys sell. And that's not changing between B2B, B2C, any of these things. It's like what you sell, to your point, if you're a vacation club or like a timeshare what you're selling is memories right right it's almost like if you can figure out what business you're really in then it shouldn't really matter if you're a b2b b2c any of these other things there are nuances absolutely but 
that's kind of why we go through the process we do because it it's kind of time tested across multiple different avenues, multiple different industries. How do we get this right so that it can keep working and give us something to work off of? Yeah, getting getting to the core of that story and understanding what it is that people really want from you, what that business really is in, is is going to be that golden nugget that helps you communicate the difference when so many of the other things may be similar. If the if the cost of entry is the same, if the product is the same, location certainly will have something to do with it, potentially historical part of like family connections, family history. These are all great factors, but it's combining them, looking at them and reviewing them and figuring out which of these yeah. are the ones that make the the experience and the culture mm-hmm. and the value of what your organization provides to its members that's different than, and you get to define it. That's the great part. Yeah. Um, as a member-driven organization, yes, you need members to survive, but as long as there are enough potential members that are willing to pay what it needs to support its organization, you can create that perception. So we talk, we're, we're kind of going a little sideways here. Yep. And, I, and I think that bringing it back to the idea of clubs, I think when, when we talk about clubs right now, we're talking about a golf private golf club because it's just the easiest to perceive. Cause it's like, okay, that makes sense. Most people know what a private golf club is. Like I'm not a part of one, but I know what that is and I know what goes into that and I, the perception and all this other stuff. But if you think about it, it's not just those kind of clubs, right? You even mentioned earlier before we hit record about the idea of a club level in a stadium. Yep. There's this idea of, well, there's club level and sometimes that means other things, but even like the clubs in sporting events and the clubs in um, airline Yep. Uh, whatever airports and saying there's clubs and figuring out what is that club? Is it a sub brand? Is it your primary brand? Is it all this other stuff? I think there's multiple different levels, but thinking it's just comes right back to the idea of what is the perception you're trying to create with this club? What, what value are you bringing to them? And then what do you want them to think about it? So then when I, when I look at what is the value of branding or rebranding that club, what I have is, a club is all about creating pride of affiliation. The brand of a club should be the driving force of that pride. So we want people to wear it. We want people to spread the word about it. We want people to be really proud of the club that they're a part of, whether that's the airline club or if that's a part of this private golf club or if that's even going to a stadium and being like, no, I'm a part of their membership. Like I just really enjoy this team and I wear their stuff and I'm really proud of it. So if a brand's all about creating that tribe, then this club needs to do that to the next level. How are we creating pride of affiliation? Yeah, you're, you're, that's, a, that's a great way to put it. Think of the brands that of just consumer products that you have some sort of backing of or you, you like their clothes, you like how they fit, and you're actually willing yeah. to wear that, that logo on your shirt. Wearing the logo of an organization that you're a member of is next level mm-hmm. and that symbol needs to symbolize what that membership and the value of that membership and the the f- pride of affiliation is a great way to put it um, of being part of that tribe that you're proud to wear and promote um yeah i is, think is huge 
I think when we talk about it, it, the club level, it matters a ton with clubs to do pride of affiliation, but that's across the board. I mean, I would never go into a consumer branding product or a product branding um, project and say, okay, we're not trying to create pride of affiliation. That's always the end goal. Absolutely. Um, It's just another level when you're talking about clubs. So what else can what else what else is the value of branding or rebranding a club? Like what are what are people who are listening, what are they getting out of it? I think getting to I'm I'm going back to, you know, what is it that members are looking for? Because I think every club from club to club, and I'll just we'll just stay with the golf course analogy for now. Yeah. Um, in our community, there are I don't know, 30 or so, three dozen different private golf courses. And I'm not a member of one either, but I've had the fortune of visiting most of them and can describe for you from a visitor's standpoint or a visitor's um, experience, my perception of the difference in each and what they've chosen is important to them and how they communicate that importance in the way they greet you, talk to you, service you, the restrictions, the rules, the access. So some clubs are about providing exclusivity. Some are about status. Some are about giving you a privacy, a safe place to go be with more people like me, um, that tribal Mm -hmm. mentality. But I think for many of these, it it helps create demand. So even when you do have a waiting list, you're always selling, always continuously nurturing that pipeline of future members to maintain that health. I think branding your club fosters your culture. So talk about that a little bit. Culture. I mean, some people would think, what do you mean by culture? And the way I think of culture is the way that people celebrate and communicate with each other and how they act with one another. How can a brand really foster a culture without a, with throughout a club? Well, I think the back to process, I think the way that they would uncover what that culture is or even to be able to just articulate it and put it into words is going through the steps of defining what is the what what's the what are the core values of the people that work here and our members here what are the attributes of the type of people that we that we as the people who run this club or manage the club are looking for how do they interact with each other i think answering the question of how do they communicate is a really big thing with clubs how does the front desk greet people? How do we say no to people? How do we make sure everything's all right? How do we do that to members across the board consistently? How do we create a culture where the members are actually communicating with each other the right way so that we're, we're fostering that culture throughout the whole place? And I think to your point, the hard part about defining a culture in a club brand is a lot of the culture has to do with the members. So, some of it's out of your out of your hands, but you do know the type of people that you're inviting into your club. And I think that when we get into how we would brand a club, we would say, what kind of culture are we trying to create, which helps us determine what kind of members do we want in this club? Which then from a branding, from that the craft and act of branding, then informs and inspires the types of messaging and how that tone and personality of the messaging that gets produced and written for all those various sorts of communication. And the creative, right? Right. How does that, what is the visual communication there? How do we look? How do we need to look? How do our brochures look? How does the front desk look? 
But everybody, but that's the problem is that's where most people go. They go right out yep. of the gates. They yep. say, you know what? Our logo is tired. It's old. Um, we need an update. Members aren't happy. They're not proud to wear this logo anymore. We need a new logo. Let's, can you just design us a new logo? And one of my favorite lines, I think this is from Blair Ends from Win Without Pitching, says, the success of our outcomes is rooted in the strength of our process. And it goes back to it's the same steps. It's understanding what the opportunity is, the pros and cons, the objectives, who we're talking to, what they want, the business that we're really in, what is our culture that we want to proactively foster, and then how do we communicate that culture in messaging yeah. and in a visual and in a symbol that sums up what our community stands for. And I think that doing that really well, especially the community, because a lot of the club has to do with community and the culture and the location and all the these space, other things. The, the environment, space. the atmosphere. If, if we can do that really well, then that's moving the club in the right direction to not only be perceived as valuable, absolutely, but trying to communicate how, how do we connect with the next generation, right? That's the overarching problem for clubs. How do we keep our generations interested year after year, generation after generation without losing the old ones? How do we maintain that? And I think that this brand that fosters a culture, not a culture built on history, but a culture built on beliefs and communications and experiences that'll help move it forward in the right direction instead of focusing so hard on what used to be. It's what is and what is going to be. And it, we say this all the time, but it bears saying again, that brand and everything that you just described, the brand is not the logo. The brand is the reputation that you are proactively working on fostering, creating, and nurturing to best represent your organization to be authentic to who you are, the people that are part of that, and the type of people that you want to attract. So it's way more than just that symbol. The symbol's important, but the brand is much more than just that symbol. Absolutely. And I think the brand, when a lot of people think of a club brand, it's just like, what do your members think of you? But it's what do prospective members think of you? What do members of other clubs think of you? That is your brand. How you perceive yourself is important. But there's way more importance on how do other people perceive you? And then in the community, to your point, if you're saying here are three clubs, and let's use airlines as an example here, there's three clubs here. Whether or not I'm a part of one of them, I have a perception of all three of those, right? Or I have a perception of all the clubs out there to go, mm, I like that one. Nah, I don't know. I'm indifferent about that one. And I really don't like that one. I don't think there's value in it there. And when I talk to somebody outside of this, I'll have that perception and I'll probably put that on them. And then that perception spreads like wildfire. Right. So when we have a club, it's really, really important for your members to love where they're at, but it's even more important for the community to go, yeah, they do great stuff over there. Like I wish I could be a member of that. It's just not in my cards right now, but I would love to be a member no matter what. It's never okay to make your, in my mind, it's never okay to make your club feel so prestigious that you're just not even like no one can even touch you unless that's the members need that. Right. So it's like, there's this balance of who are you and how do you want to be perceived? But then there's this, how do you want other people to perceive you? Do you want other people to perceive you as untouchable? Because that makes it more difficult to get members, but the members who do stay here forever. So it's, 
it's a balance. I think there's nuances. Yeah, think of one more time on the golf club analogy. You can think of all ranges of accessibility and approachability, and and none are incorrect. It's just making the intentional, purposeful decision on what's right for you, and then figuring out how the members align with that, and then getting to the root of that culture that is the experience of your organization, place, atmosphere, and the value that you provide, and then telling that story. So before we wrap up here, what is what do you think is the one big takeaway from this conversation as it pertains to a club and its brand? I think for me, the most important nuance in branding a club versus branding a product or a business is making sure that you're having as many conversations as you can with current membership, past membership, and potentially even future membership and getting a, a clear understanding of what they want, what they're looking for, and then being purposeful in defining what it is that you want your club to be. So you have a set of objectives that guide messaging, creating, and all the other pieces that go into branding. I would say if I were to give one person advice, when it comes to club branding, I would say inspire the future and respect the past. If you can get people excited about where this club is going, but they still feel honored to be a part of something that special enough to have a past, then you've hit the golden nugget in my mind. That's, that's gold. Um, so if you can really do that, then you're in good shape. Love it. Let's um, pick this up next time. Let's join a club. Susner is a branding firm specializing in helping companies make a meaningful mark, guiding marketing leaders who are working to make their brand communicate better, stand out, and engage audiences to grow their business. For more on Susner, visit susner.com. Thank you.